0: Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Want to give you some context. It's called just witness, the word witness, stories from the first followers of Jesus. And what we're doing is really following up from some teaching that we were doing as we approached the day of Pentecost some weeks ago. Do you remember the day of Pentecost? And we taught about that. We taught about the Holy Spirit. The day came when the day of Pentecost came on the calendar, and we also talked about the story recorded in Acts chapter 2. After that, we thought, you know, we might want to keep going and hear what happened. So the context is Jesus, you know, died for the sins of the world, as he said he would. We call it Good Friday. Three days later, he rose from the grave, as he said he would. That's Resurrection Sunday. The evening of Resurrection Sunday, he showed up meeting with the the followers of Jesus that were hiding. Their leader had just been brutally killed in front of them. They were very fearful that they'd be next. They're hiding in a room. They don't realize that he has risen from the dead. A few of the women have reported that they met with him, and he said to tell them, I'm going to come and see you. And the men, back to that other talk, didn't listen to the women and said, they they must be crazy because they're women. That's what the men were saying. And actually, they weren't crazy. It was the men that were foolish at the moment. So Jesus shows up and goes, you guys... I rose from the dead, just like I said, and I sent the women to tell you that I rose from the dead, and here I am. Now listen, and in that moment, this is reading from Luke 24, He said, it says he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, referring to the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. He's interpreting the whole story of the Old Testament. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And here's this phrase that caught my attention, because I saw it repeated several times, and we use that to come up with a theme of this series that we're in. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father promised, the Holy Spirit, coming on the day of Pentecost, but stay in the city, Jerusalem, till you've been clothed with power from on high. Then later on, some days later, about 40 days later, actually, a month has passed, month and 10 days. It's the day that Jesus is going to completely be done in his post-resurrection experiences. He's going to return to heaven. He meets with the disciples one last time. They still, some of them don't believe. They're, they're confused. He tells them again that the Holy Spirit is coming soon in power to fill them. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Now, uh, I, was, I wasn't with you last week, but I was with you the week before that and then two times before that. And we said kind of simply a definition of what it means to be a witness for Jesus. Does anyone remember something we said about that? Maybe your experience. experience was a good word, yeah. Someone said the word Testimony. Testifies a good synonym. A story. Well, I like that. Storyteller sounds more like normal English. So we said a witness is someone who simply, you know, back up. Forget the church context. We have witnesses in courts of law all the time, right? Yep. If if you got rear-ended at a stoplight, a car, two cars back might pull over and say, Hey, I saw everything. I'll be a witness if you need me. You ever had that happen what it means is a witness specifically for jesus tells others what they've seen what they've heard what they've learned and what they've experienced about jesus so we're now back to the context of specifically witnesses for jesus jesus told them, you're going to be my witnesses they tell others what they've seen what they've heard what they've learned what they've experienced you got that okay We also learned, what I just read to you, but I'm going to emphasize it, that people who are followers of Jesus, that means they at some point have said, that's it, I give up control of my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. God responds to that act of faith, which, in fact, he starts by giving us the faith to respond to the faith, by causing us to be born anew. Jesus called it be born anew. Again, and he promised, and it's written all through the teachings of the Bible, that you are then filled with his spirit. So here's the, here's the point. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not only called to be a witness, but you're filled with his spirit, empowering you to be a witness. And like Hani was up here a moment ago to help pray, if he had more time, he would have told you the story he told me this morning in the bathroom. It's funny the things you hear in the bathroom. <laughs> Pastor Rod, I got to tell you, we just had this great moment where he was out walking around and he heard the Holy Spirit say, "Go talk to this guy," and he began the conversation. And he walked away, and God said, "No, go back." And he heard, and there's a, there's a, I can't tell you the whole story; takes too long. There's a, there's a a number of things that happened, and the guy happened to be Muslim, and Hani was praying for Muslims, and Hani is from Egypt. What are the odds? And he was able to pray for the man in Arabic and bless him. And it was being a witness. And he told me, I remember what you said, Ron, that we are witnesses. So before we even get to what we're going to read today, you and I have already learned something about Jesus today and probably before today. So you and I, have something to say about what we've seen, heard, learned, and experienced. Secondly, if you are here and you've given your life to Jesus, you have his spirit in you to empower you. So, as we go into what we're going to read today, which will be in Acts chapter 4, I have Three things for me to get out of it, and I hope that you get out of it what I get out of it. Because, you know, when I come preparing to to bring a message of teaching and preaching, I I do it to me first. Because I want to be impacted by the word of God. I want to have instruction. I just want to learn the Bible. I like to learn what the story of the Bible is. I want to have inspiration. That's the second thing. First instruction, second inspiration. I want to read stories about the first followers of Jesus. Hear what happened in their experience and be inspired by it and think, oh, that could happen to me too. And thirdly, I want to be challenged, I want to be motivated to not just read about them being witnesses and inspired by them, but I want to step up and say, that's it, I'm going to do what they did and commit myself to this calling at some cost. So that's what I hope happens. Lord, as we open the word today together, we pray that you will speak to us and help us Grow in you, instruct us, inspire us, and challenge us. If you wouldn't mind, Holy Spirit, that would be awesome of you. Please do that. Amen. So, we started reading uh, Acts three and four, where there's a story that's kind of extended. So it's taken us a while to go through pieces of it. A lot happens. But generally, here's what happened. I'll review it, and then I'll get into a text at verse 18 of chapter 4. We read that on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was poured out and these disciples received the present infilling of the Spirit, Peter got up to explain to a crowd that gathered what all the noise was about. What's all the hullaboo? How do you say hullabaloo? I can't say the word. I can't talk. Hullabaloo? Thank you. It's good to have community to help me what's all the hullabaloo about they said that's greek and they were gathering it's not and there was noise there was all sorts of stuff happening and people were saying oh those people must have been drunk already they're partying all night and peter got up and said you know what they're not drunk it's only nine in the morning what you're seeing is what was prophesied in the old covenant by joel He said in the last days god will pour out his spirit He talked more about Jesus. It's a wonderful sermon he gives, or preaching, or witness. It's actually a witness in chapter 2 of Acts. You can read it. The result, though, was by the end, 3,000 new people became followers of Jesus. So the church just explodes in its first day. And at the end of the second chapter, we read that every day they gathered together in the vast temple complex. Lots of patios and porches. There's the place in the center where the sacrifices and all that happens. But it's a vast Um, platform, if you will. We showed a picture of it uh, a couple weeks ago so you could just see. Uh, I think it was over a million square feet, if I remember right, the size. It's large. So they used to meet there every day to listen to the apostles teach. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. They met and prayed in the temple courts. They also met in their homes. They had fellowship with each other. They had this wonderful new life. In that context, we read... The first verses of chapter 3. Remember when you read the Bible that there were no chapter markings when Luke, who wrote this, wrote this. It's just one thing. So he says in one sentence, you know, every day they gathered in the temple courts to listen to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. The next sentence he says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. So the context is they're on their way to one of these meetings where everyone's meeting. It's just a normal, everyday, meet in the temple courts. I say that because I missed that for my whole life when I read this. When the story happens, you got a picture. The whole church is there watching it, they're all seeing it. So, what happens is Peter and John are walking to the temple courts. They're going to have another prayer meeting. They're just on their normal way, like you are, like Hani was this morning, on his normal way. He was going to church. And they got interrupted by the Holy Spirit. They saw a man being carried who was crippled. The man had been crippled since birth. He's now over 40 years old. He's never, he's never walked. And he's a well-known character in Jerusalem because every day he is brought to this place by this big door, this beautiful gate. It's called Beautiful Gate, actually. It's so interesting with the silver and the gold. It's giant. It's larger than the ceiling right here. It's literally that big of a gate. It's a large place. He's brought there every way, day to beg. So they recognize him. But something's different. Peter and John sense the Holy Spirit's presence, the kingdom of God's about to break in, the guy's going to beg, they haven't even set him down yet, he's being carried, Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you this, rise up and walk, grabs the man by the hand, the man suddenly healed and he's standing up, a miracle happens. So now he's going crazy, jumping up and down, running around, giving praise to God, another crowd gathers, Peter is watching this and remembers, I'm called to be a witness. As soon as he sees the crowd gather, he goes into telling what he's seen, heard, learned, and experienced about Jesus. And probably the church is also gathering because you know, thousands of them are meeting daily in the temple courts, and he's on his way to meet with them. So I'm picturing, this is quite a crowd. There's followers of Jesus, people that are not followers of Jesus, people that were there when Jesus was crucified, thousands of people. He gets up and explains to them about this healing, how it was done through faith in the name of Jesus, and Jesus gives you faith when you believe in him, and you guys killed Jesus, and you ought to repent of that, because that was really bad, but he'll forgive you, and if you'll repent, God will send this spirit up. And all this, you know, he's preaching this message. While he's talking, he doesn't notice, but the temple police come up behind him and arrest Peter and John. And the church is watching. Now, put yourself in, the shoes. Can you, in their shoes. Can you imagine if we were together down at the beach and um, Mark Newell, who loves to evangelize, was out preaching as the crowd gathers because someone got healed. And while he's talking, we're all there and he gets arrested and dragged off. That's the dynamic that you've got to feel. And they don't hear anything. There's no news reports. All they know is Peter and John are gone. They're gone for overnight. So they arrest them. This is what Acts chapter 3 says. They arrest them. They put them in jail. The next morning, they drag Peter and John out before all of the scary people, the rulers of the Jewish religions, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, the high priest, Alexander the other high priest cuz there's kind of political stuff who's going to be the high priest today kind of thing their families the same crowd that gathered that decided that Jesus would be crucified the holy spirit fills peter again as he's given he's called to give an account for this healing how he did it why he did it and he preaches this incredible message oh i didn't say this the day before when he was preaching and got arrested Luke who's writing the story. Throws in, oh, by the way, two thousand more people were added to their number. Now there's five thousand. So there's a lot of people there. Can you picture that many people? I mean, picture our um, amphitheater completely packed with people. That kind of people. That kind of numbers. Okay, so Peter gives this great message to the Sanhedrin. He's bold. He's fearless. He tells them about Jesus. He even says. This one whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, and there is no other name given from God under heaven, given to men by which you must be saved. Give This message, they are so hardened in their heart, seeing a man 40 years in his crippled condition healed, standing there. And all they think is, we've got to stop these guys, they're screwing everything up for us, we might lose our position. Have you seen my house? I'd hate to move out of that place. These guys are loaded. They're supported by the Roman government. They don't want this Jesus religion to mess up their system. So they say, you got to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. They threaten them. That's where the story is when we get to Acts 4.18. Now, I'm going to, as I read this story with you, the next part of the story, try to draw out principles or aspects of the culture that's developed around this community of witnessing people. So that we can think about how we can have this kind of culture in our lives. So watch for that. I'll, I'll say some things as I go. Let's read Acts 4.18. Then they, all the leaders, the um, the leaders mean the, the um, priests, the rulers the teachers of the law the high priest called them in again that's peter and john and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of jesus but peter and john replied they're so bold at this point judge for yourself these guys who could say we're going to execute you they have that kind of authority but peter and john look at them and say judge for yourself whether it's right in god's eyes to obey you or god and these are people who think they're talking in the voice of God. They are in authority. They're, re- they're, they're like the leaders of the church. They're the leaders of the religion. And then Peter and John say this, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. There's that theme of witness again. To speak about what you've seen and heard is to be a witness for Jesus. And they said, we can't help it. So after further threats... They let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. Now just stop there. Don't run past that. Let me just say this and point it out to you and me. They went back to their own people. They had people. They're not just witnesses out on their own, getting in a tough situation, fearful, and between the two of them trying to figure this out. They have people to go to. There is a community, a witnessing community. And if you and I are going to follow the call to be witnesses, we need a witnessing community. It changes everything. And it's my understanding, and I think this will develop as we read this, that the whole community understood, like Peter and John did, that they were called to be witnesses for Jesus, and they were filled with the Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. Do you see yourself that way? Are you an audience who comes to hear the band, hoping that they're going to be good today? And hope, you know, someone's going to speak something inspiring. I'm going to sit in the seat and, you know, have a good time. Or are you a community of witnesses? We've gathered together to cheer ourselves on, grow in the Lord, and go back out and do our job. Imagine a community where everyone has that mindset and everyone is having trouble. So they come back together and they share their troubles because you have trouble when you're a witness. And they encourage each other. And they go back out and do it again. Imagine what it feels like when one of them says, I've got a new believer with me. Let's baptize them together. Can you feel the energy in the room suddenly when we're all on the same page thinking we are called to be witnesses? So that's the context here. They come back to their own people. Verse 24, when they heard this, well, I better I've interrupted myself so you may not remember what we're reading. When who heard what? The community, all the believers, what did they hear? So Peter and John came back to their own people and reported to them everything that had just happened and all the threats. So remember, the community saw them get arrested. They're taken away. They don't know what's happened. Peter and John come back. They go, they didn't kill them, thank God, and they're not in prison anymore. And now they tell them what happened. When they heard this, when the community... They raise their voices together in prayer to God. So pause there. This is a community, and here's one of the cultural aspects of this community, whose knee jerk response to trouble is to pray together. They didn't say, Tell us what happened, and then start analyzing it. Oh, those, who the heck do they think they are? Don't they know they're opposing God? Let's, and let's talk, let's talk about the different ones that we really hate. That Caiaphas, what a jerk. And then, you know, kind of do that. No. They didn't analyze the situation. They go, what are we going to do? They can come after us. We better make a plan. Where can we go? Who has a house to secure? They, I mean, they were doing none of that. They instead went to prayer. A community that is a witnessing community, one of the cultural aspects is they believe in the power of prayer and it's so much embedded in their culture it's the knee-jerk reaction the first thing upon hearing trouble is they raise their voices in prayer and here's their prayer man we can learn a lot from this prayer the first word sovereign lord they said you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them you spoke by the holy spirit through the mouth of your servant our father david why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain. They're quoting from Psalm 2 right now, if you don't know this. The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, and they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now let me just interrupt their prayer and, and notice a few things with you there's there really is a lot to say they start out their prayer by filling their minds with the sovereignty the divine sovereignty of god sovereign lord you are the one who made the heavens you're the one who made the earth you're the one who made the sea you're the one who made everything that's in them when you and i run into problems and we can pray reminding ourselves of who god is and how grand and how great he is Already faith is lifting and the problem shrinking and the solutions growing. Do you see that? That's a significant part of a community of witnesses. They can pray the scriptures. And their first words Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. It, your theology is important. Your theology is what you believe about God. You can't pray those words. If you think, or you're uncertain, that the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them actually were a colossal accident from an unplanned explosion somewhere out of nothing that by itself, without any intelligence, evolved into what we have today. If if that's your theology, you're not going to pray this prayer. But if your theology is, there's a God who is sovereign without beginning, without end, and everything that I see, his hand was involved, his mind was involved, he designed, he created it with a purpose, everything changes. You have to have that kind of theology to pray this kind of prayer, to have the culture of a witnessing community. And next they quote from Psalm 2. You spoke through your Holy Spirit. Through the mouth of your servant David, David wrote Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand against the rulers or the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his holy anointed one. Check this out. Don't run past this. Here's a second aspect of their culture. They are immersed in scripture. They know the word of, they know the Bible. It's part of their community. And they know it with a reverence and a respect a couple things it was spoken not by david but by the holy spirit through david they believed that about the scriptures they also believed that it was prophetically accurate that what david said a thousand years ago was actually about jesus and they're living it today and they see that and it gives them great confidence what we're experiencing right now you who are sovereign already knew about it and it's going right according to plan If you know that what you're going through is going right according to plan, and that means God already has the plan for the next step of what you're going through, You have a lot of faith. It just builds you up. I can make it through this. God's with me. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the sea. And he prophesied in the old covenant a thousand years ago about what I'm experiencing today. It's not new to him. He's not surprised. He's not worried. It's going to work out because he's with me and he's got a master plan for history. And I'm part of it because he's called me and I'm filled with his spirit and I'm joined him. I'm part of his plan for the redemption of the world. It changes everything if you're immersed in the scripture. And I, I get, well, I like to imagine, because they just quoted this, and some of, they're brand new Christians, some of them. Some of them are Gentiles. They're new to the faith. And I know they're meeting every day in the temple courts, listening to the apostles' teaching. I wonder if they just had a study on Psalm 2. What do you think? Maybe like a week ago, they were studying together Psalm 2 and, you know... Um, John got up and said, today we're going to read from Psalm 2. This is a messianic prophecy. Let's read it together. Let's read it so much they memorized it. And then they come together, and in the moment of need, they declare the scriptures in their prayer. I don't know if you know this. You tried this this week. Read the Psalms. Read a psalm. Go back and turn it into a personal prayer. It's very powerful to pray the Bible because the Holy Spirit breathed the words, and he's part of them. It's a living words so let me just say it um maybe more formally the second aspect of the culture of a community of witnesses is that they're immersed in the scriptures and they have a high value of the scriptures understanding they're breathed by the holy spirit that the very word of god okay back to the prayer now lord consider their threats And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. This is not what I would have prayed. I would have said, Lord, consider their threats and protect us. Yeah? Lord, consider their threats and bring those bad guys down. Come against them and break their power. Remove them from their seat of authority. That's what I would have prayed. You might pray that way too. But that's not what our example and inspiration here prayed. Lord, consider their threats. You prophesied that the people would rise up against your anointed one. In fact, it happened. Herod, Pilate, they crucified Jesus. Consider their threats. They told Peter and John, don't teach or preach anymore in his name. The same people that killed Jesus are threatening us. Lord, give us more boldness. We want to preach more. That's their prayer. Isn't that amazing? Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Okay, third aspect of the culture of a witnessing community. They are committed to the mission of being witnesses for Jesus. They're so committed to it that the first words that come out of their mouth in prayer is, Lord, give us more. We want to go get them some more. I may go down, but I'm going to go down preaching. Kind of is their attitude, and the the way they pray is interesting because they say, "Stretch out your hand to heal." Give us boldness, stretch out your hand to perform miraculous science to heal wonders to the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. I want to read that again from the New King James Version um, because there's something in the the language that gets changed in the translations. The ESV, the New King James, take the word, stretch forth your hand, and make it part of, enable us to speak with boldness. Watch this language. This is the New King James translation. Lord, stretch out your hand. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And the signs and wonders may be done through the name of Jesus. Now, catch, that's exactly what had just happened to get us into this part of the story. Peter and John are walking to meet with the the community, and the Lord stretched out his hand through Peter to heal and do a miraculous sign so that they were able to speak the word more boldly. And the fact is, when you have occasion where you are able to engage a problem with prayer and God breaks in with his presence, the hearts are more frequently open to the witness for Jesus. Not always, as we saw, the Pharisees, the rulers, the Sadducees, the whole Sanhedrin, their hearts were not opened. Remember, a witness is called to tell others what they've heard, seen, learned, and experienced. They're not called to convince anyone of anything. That's the Holy Spirit's job. They're not called to judge anyone of anything. They're just called to be witnesses. Just tell what they've learned. So they get that it's great and worth praying that the Holy Spirit would stretch out his hand through their hands to heal the sick. To do signs and wonders as they are speaking boldly about the witnesses. About, witness, about the witness of Jesus. next verse 31 after they prayed i love it when this happens the place where they're meeting was shaken i don't know if there was an earthquake or what but the place was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly these are people who were just filled with the holy spirit in acts 2. Now they've been filled again. And I've said this before, but I want to remind you. Biblically, there are stories of repeated and repeated and repeated infillings of the Holy Spirit. I suspect it's because we leak. So we need to be refilled. The Bible doesn't have a verse that says, you need to be filled because you leak. But I know that I leak. And I think you leak. So we are commanded in scripture, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled again. Peter was filled when he was before the Sanhedrin. So this is his third time in our stories of being freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now we're at aspect number four. It's a spirit-filled community. The culture of this witnessing community is that the Holy Spirit is welcomed, embraced, sought after, they're calling on, and they are experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we want to be a witnessing community, we would do well to have a welcoming map put out for the Holy Spirit. You're always welcome. In fact, it's your church, you're the chief administrator, do what you want is the attitude, always. But you can do that in your family can do that in your work if you have the culture of being a spirit-filled community. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Let that sink in. There's 5,000 of them. All of the believers were one in heart and mind. This is important for American Christians who highly, as a people, value individualism. Rugged individualism is the culture that we call it in America. We're proud of it, we're individualistic. We got the image of the cowboy, riding by himself. Strong, doesn't need anybody. Okay, Christian value is, you're not riding by yourself, you need people. And they so needed each other, and so were committed to the call, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, to the teaching, to the prayer, to the worship, that they, as they prayed, Lord, fill us with your spirit again, they become one in heart, one in mind. Their heart's beating the same, their mind's beating the same. Well, the next sentence is just... Maybe a bridge too far. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. What do you mean I earned this money? (laughs) No one claimed that any of his possessions was was his own. I some time ago started, as we were going into Pentecost, um, using this phrase, I belong. I belong to the Lord. Everything I have belongs to him. Some people mistakenly in their language talk about tithing and say, God only wants 10% of your money. No, He wants all of your money. And He tells you specifically what to do with 10% in writing. And the rest of it He tells us as we go. Did, did you know that? that? That will help you financially if you think everything I own belongs to God, I'm a steward of His possessions. That whole tithing thing, the first 10% to his church, that's just an instruction. Everything you own is mine. I'm lending it to you. And I want to tell you that first 10% goes to your church, and the rest I'm going to tell you what to do with as you go. See that person in need? Take some money and give it to him. See that thing that you want to buy? Don't buy it right now. Put money in savings. You're going to need it in the future. It's my money. You're my servant. I will tell you what to do. So no one said that any of his possessions were his own. Wow. That's a commitment to community. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to give witness, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Much grace was upon them all. This is remarkable. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time those who owned lands or houses from time to time they would sell them. And they would bring the money from the sale and put it at the apostles feet to distribute as people had needs. So they had this large pool of resources that were distributed to the needs of people as they came up in their community. Is that incredible? So, but that's the fifth aspect of, of this culture I want to bring to our attention. This will be the last one and I'll wrap it up with after this. They were absolutely committed to the community of faith. They were one heart, one mind. They didn't go to church. They were the church. And that's important. They didn't go to church. They were committed to the body of The body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is his plan for bringing redemption to this world. He does it through his people. He calls us to join him. As he calls us to join him, he goes, look to your left and right. I've called you into a community, so you're following me together with others. And now they're in a community who are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. They're of one heart. They're of one mind. They recognize that they're called to be witnesses. So they do that together. They're also called to much more, to prayer, to the word. They're immersed in the scriptures. And the world begins to change. Don't lose sight of this. We started with 11 scared guys who Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses to the whole world. We're not many months out, and there's now 5,000. 11 scared, 5,000 followers who are ready to risk their lives at this point. And many of them will. Isn't that incredible? And it went on and on and on. Because 2,000 years, roughly, give or take, have passed. And here we are today. And this message of Jesus' kingdom being available to everyone, Regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of economic status, regardless of where you live, it's for everyone. Jesus said it's so simple. All you have to do is put your faith in me and you will be in the kingdom of God. And you will begin to live the life of heaven's future now. You begin to live in peace now peace that cannot be shaken by the circumstances of your world you'll begin to experience the joy of heaven now in my kingdom. this is the promise that message is filling the world you can not hardly find a place on this planet where people are not singing songs of worship to jesus right now 24 hours a day someone is worshiping jesus on this planet right now 24 hours a day, somebody is praying in the name of Jesus for someone else. It never stops. Nothing is going to stop it. And you're part of this program of redemption. Because you, like me, us together, are called to be a community of witnesses for Jesus. Empowered by his spirit. And everything changes when we are living in this kind of culture. So let me, let me say what those um, five things are. And I, and I put them on a slide so we can see them together. Do it in reverse order now, because the reverse order actually works out better. Number one, they're deeply committed to each other. This is the culture of a witnessing community. Number two, they're a spirit-filled community. Committed to each other, spirit-filled community. Number three, they're committed to their mission of being witnesses. So what are they committed to? Each other, spirit-filled, committed to the mission of being witnesses. Number four, they're immersed in the scriptures, and they hold them in the highest value. One, they're committed to each other. Two, they're, what are they to? Spirit-filled community. Number three, what are they? They're committed to the mission of being witnesses. What was the fourth? They're immersed in the scripture. Oh, they spend time in God's word because it changes them. What's the fifth one? Oh, they have a vibrant prayer life. What are they again? When, when I do studies like this, for me, it helps me to write things out like that and think, well, I want to get that in my mind. Tomorrow I want to think, what, what am I committed to? Each other. So each other. I'm committed to each other. Let me look at it again. Oh, I'm supposed to look to my left, I heard. They're a spirit filled community. By the way, if you're watching on the Zoom, there's like a thing above my left shoulder. That's why I'm supposed to look to my left. They're a spirit filled community. They're committed to the mission of being witness for Jesus, they're immersed in the scriptures. And they believe they have the authority of God's very words. And they have a vibrant prayer life together. Now, looking at that, you who are followers of Jesus, I'm speaking to you right now. And that's most of you you have already committed to follow Jesus. Are there one or more of these aspects of a witnessing community that we've just read about? We've pulled this out of a story, the stories of the first Jesus followers. Are there one or more of these aspects that you in particular need to grow in? Ask the Lord, is there anything that you see up there that you want me to grow in? Maybe all of them. How do I want to respond to this? I want to be instructed, I want to be inspired, and I want to be challenged. To follow Jesus fully. I've told you this before, you've been around me. but i haven't been like excellent at any of this but i have committed to this my whole life in some level or another starting when i was a young teenager i said i commit to you to serve you through your church with everything i have for the rest of my life and that was when i was convinced that one thing i was not called to be was a pastor Because I prayed and I thought the answer was no. I was 14. I was close to 15, but I was still 14. And I said, I commit my whole life to you. And then I, you know, not successfully, but to some degree or another, spent my life. I spent my money. I spent my time. I gave my talent, skills I had to being committed to Jesus through his church. And I can tell you this, I've never thought, man, what a waste of my life. I should have pursued my computer science career a little more fully, because that would have been fulfilling. And I'd have a bigger house, maybe, and more income. Never once have I thought that. Maybe I thought, man, I wish I would have committed more. Because it's been 44 years since I made that commitment. And at some point, I think it was a testing of another 16 years of doing that, the Lord said, by the way, I'm going to let you do this with all that you have. You don't even have to have a regular job anymore. You can have a paycheck as a pastor, so you can really do this full-time. But I was full-time before. Some of you need to know that. You think, well, you're paid to do this. No wonder you read the Bible. You're paid to read the Bible. You're a pastor. No. Before I was paid to be a pastor, I was doing this work. And I was spending a lot of time and a lot of money, and a, and a, I mean, taking time off work to help figure stuff out for the church because I was committed to the community of believers. Not because I thought, "Oh, I hate doing this; I better be a good person," but because I fell in love with Jesus and His body. I love the church. Tr- I love you guys. You're my favorite people. You are awesome. <laughs> I love coming on Thursday nights to be with the home group in the lobby. I love getting up the times I make it to our prayer meeting online. I love it when I go out occasionally and do some kind of witnessing thing, like with Mark when he does a Jesus walk, or with Michael. when he, On Monday nights now, I can go and join him in bringing food to a homeless, unsheltered people, and ministering and serving. them. Monday nights, almost every Monday night, you could join Mike. I love doing that. I'm asking you, do you want to be a witnessing community like this? Well, let's stand up. Did I, did I just make the price too expensive, Michael? You were fine until you said, stand up. My goodness, what do you think this is? Lord, we stand before you. If you're in the hearing of my voice and you've never given your life to Jesus, you probably sense you're around a lot of people that have. And they're happy they have, everything changed. If you've never looked toward the heavens, so to speak, and said, I believe you are God and I want you to be my God. Jesus come into my life. Jesus take over my life. Jesus fix my life. I want you to be in charge. Fill me with your spirit. Pray a prayer like that. Just turn to him and and you will be born spiritually. And then you're part of this community who can say, Lord, we want to be like those first followers of Jesus who heard you say, you're my witnesses and you're going to be my witnesses to the whole world. We hear you saying that. We want to step out in boldness to tell others what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've learned, and what we've experienced about Jesus. And we want to be committed to that mission as well as being committed to each other. And we want to choose to be immersed in your scriptures that we may know you, that we may know your ways That we may be a people who pray according to your written word, revealed for all time. We want to be a people who respond to problems in prayer. We want to be a community where you are glorified. And not only do we love each other, but we love the world around us. We want to be real with you, real with each other. And we want to be used by you to restore broken lives. Please, this day, take us to another level. Please, fill us freshly, as you did with these people, with your spirit. Please, give us boldness to speak your word. Please, as we're with boldness speaking your word, stretch out your hand to heal sick people through us. Please, fill us with your spirit The word of God, committed to each other, so that even signs and wonders, miracles are done through your spirit in us. We're calling out to you, God. We do not want to do business as usual. We want to be changed. We want to be different. We want to be filled. somewhat new here let me just tell you the way our gatherings end is they sort of don't end they kind of they kind of slow down (laughs) what's going to happen now is the worship band is back as you can see and they're going to begin worshipping kind of quietly and the idea is that as you want to you respond to the Lord some of you God is speaking to right now I bet And you need to respond the way he's speaking to you. There's going to be some people up front, you'll see on the sides, who have come wanting to pray for us. They want to pray for people that are sick in their bodies. They want to pray for people who are hearing the Lord draw them today. They want to pray for whatever needs are arising. So as the band's worshiping and we're worshiping, some of you come and get prayer. Some of you, Get on your knees before God and do business with the things that he's talked to you about today. Some of you hug each other and encourage each other. Some of you go eat some donuts. (laughs) When you feel like you're done, you're done. If you're not done, you're not done. No pressure. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you keep you in his arms safe secure living in shalom in his presence, peace may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you in love may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you So as you go into your next week, you come from a place of rest and refreshment in the Lord, empowered by him to be his witnesses until this good news of his kingdom is spoken in the entire planet. And then Jesus will come back and establish his kingdom. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.